Welcome to another episode of the No Feeding Tubes Show. I'm your host, Yvonne McLaren, and I'm here to help you live your best food life following or during head and neck cancer treatment. Thanks for listening and hanging out with me here today. This is a lived experience and one that I think is better shared. And what do I know? Well, in late 2018, I was diagnosed with oropharyngeal cancer and I went on to have a third of my tongue removed, both tonsils, the tumour, 30 lymph nodes and 30 chemoradiotherapy sessions. I also had a peg tube feed for 15 months and ate nothing orally in that time. So grab your favourite beverage or your walking shoes and let's get started. Welcome to episode 34 of the No Feeding Tips show. I'm your host, Yvonne McLaren, and in today's episode, I'm going to be discussing managing the fear of food unavailability or managing food availability. I'm not sure which. You know what I mean. I think why I wanted to discuss this topic was I often find or did find myself not doing things or going anywhere or joining in because of my fear for lack of food being available at the place during the um, outdoor activity, uh, at wherever I was going, there became, and I noticed this, there was this real fear of will there be food available And if there won't be, then how am I going to get around that? So that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, And I want to talk about three areas that I think certainly I suffered from and I suspect lots of other people suffer with as well. And not knowing what you're potentially walking into is a real fear. And look, I can't really speak uh, on everyone else's behalf, obviously, but I often wonder whether I'm just alone in thinking this and I'd I'd love your thoughts and feedback on it, but I often think, oh, I I don't want to go and do that because it could be that I won't get to eat for a few hours or I might have a coughing fit or I have to cough up something and I don't want to do it in public or, you know, I'll always come up with a half a dozen things that will uh, convince me not to go and do something. So as much as I want to discuss talking about uh, managing food availability fear, I guess I really want to talk about the parameters of how head and neck cancer treatment can alter uh, what we decide to do, what activities we participate in and what life is going to look like for us going forward. And as I say, I you know, many people perhaps don't feel like this, but I do. And I think if I do, then there must be others out there uh, that might also feel the same way I do about food and outside activities outside of the privacy of my home. So knowing what you're walking into, you know, that fear, how do you get over that fear of not being, it's not really about being in control, it's just about knowing what your options might be. If you get yourself into a situation and you go, 
hell's bills, how am I going to eat? Um, and what if I get really hungry or what if I get dehydrated or what if, what if, what if? I think the only way and the way that I've overcome this is I have practiced, I have researched, and I know with certainty that I am going to fail at some things, but I also know with certainty that I am going to succeed with other things. And by other things, I mean eating, eating situations and eating food that I perhaps hadn't considered before uh, or I hadn't researched. Uh, So I think the way I overcame that fear was to be bold and just, you know, what is the absolute worst thing that's going to happen? I'm not going to starve to death. I can guarantee you that. Uh, And I'm pretty sure most people listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube won't starve to death either. Although having said that, if you're really struggling to keep weight on, then you might want to park this particular discussion for some time down the track. When you are actually feeling better, you are on top of your weight maintenance and you are ready to go and visit the wide world again. Uh, Making decisions, you know, um, how do you do that on the run? You know, I used to find that quite anxiety for me, like, oh, what if I'm out at a restaurant, particularly if I'm on my own or or even when I'm with other people. If someone says, oh, let's just stop here and have a bite to eat, you know, I immediately feel that, oh, um, oh, God, you know, this is going to mean that I'm going to have to try and find something to eat and then I'm going to have to try and eat it in the same time they are and then I'm going to have to try and do it without spitting it up, regurgitating it, coughing. So, you know, I go through all of that. And, you know, a lot of it's in my mind uh, and I've only just realised that. And, yes, it, it can happen and, yes, I do struggle with it, but I'm also learning now that a lot of it is in my mind and I need to just go, you know what, I'm just do what you can do step by step day by day, hour by hour. And, of course, there's no guarantees because, as we all know, what we can do one day, we can't necessarily do the next or the next week or the next month. So, you know, making those decisions on the fly like that, uh, I think the first thing I'd say to you is, and this is something that has worked for me, is I don't judge myself I don't say to myself, oh, because I couldn't manage that last time or because I find that difficult or it certainly was the last time I tried it. I don't say that to myself and then convince myself that that is still the case. I try to go into every single situation with a fresh mind, with a fresh way of viewing, thinking and doing. And in that, it takes that anxiety away. It takes that fear away. It takes that what's the word, trepidation away from experiencing something that, God, who knows, you know, it might just work for you. And I can tell you now, half a dozen times over the last probably six months, I've done that. I've just gone, I haven't been able to manage this before, but I'm just going to give it a go. And I've, and I've succeeded and it's been great and it's given me confidence and I've gone, oh, okay, well, maybe I can do this. And for those that have been following along at home, 
you will know that at the time of going to recording, I'm recording this now so that you can listen to my dulcet tones whilst I'm on holiday. (laughs) And I'm going to be travelling and walking for about five weeks uh, through Portugal and Spain and the Swiss Alps. I've never been to Europe before, so I forget it was time I went. And I'm doing this walk because now I feel I can conquer my food and live my best food life and operate in foreign environments and try to explain what's going on with me in, uh, well, I don't speak any Spanish and I speak even less Portuguese. Uh, I've pretty much always holidayed in Asia, so I have the Thai, Vietnamese, Japanese type uh, language available to me, although I did learn German for eight years and I I seem to be able to read German for some reason. Anyway, that's not going to be terribly helpful in Spain, but what I have noticed is I've been able to make this decision about doing this trip because I feel now I can leave the anxiety, leave the fear, leave the trepidation, well, at least manage it. I'm not going to be saying and telling people that I'm not got some anxiety I do um I'm doing this solo so it's always a bit of a um bit of anxiety in there but you know be bold get in there make decisions make quick decisions on the run but don't talk yourself out of it before you've done it I think that is the biggest thing I've taught myself I will often catch myself having this verbal conversation in my own head about, oh, you can't do that, you can't, you didn't do that last time, you, you know, you choked on that before, you brought that up in some way, shape or form last time you tried that, Yvonne. So I've stopped having that internal dialogue with myself about what I can and can't do with food. I try as much as possible to go in there with a fresh mind, with a fresh set of um, thinking tools, if you like, Um, The third thing I'd say is research, and I know I always talk about research, but I can't overemphasize how important it is for you to have done food research so that you know, you know, at the worst possible situation or scenario, you can fall back on, (coughs) excuse me, um, coffee, cream, soup, uh, something soft, mornays, casseroles, pressure cooked meats, um, vegetarian foods, you know, you name it. You must have some fallback foods. And I would suggest fallback foods that are available everywhere. And by that, um, I refer to things like soup with an egg beaten into it. Most countries have eggs, most countries have a soup of some description. In fact, the uh, route that I'm walking or route uh, is along the coastline so that I can access fish and soup more readily than the internal path, which has got a lot of bread, cheese and um, charcuteries, which are meats and hams and things, which I do struggle with. So, you know, I've picked where I'm going so that I can at least give myself the best possible chance to find something to eat. So managing food availability fear, those are the three things that I would recommend to you. One is, you know, uh, 
knowing how to conquer that fear, listen to your inner dialogue, what you're saying to yourself, and research. You know, you've got to research things to make sure that you have some position to fall back on, uh, particularly if you're going to a foreign country like I am. Um, And the more food research you do, the better your food life is going to be from a select selecting food type perspective, if you like. Um, so that's what I wanted to talk about today, managing food availability fear. And I think, you know, sometimes you just have to go in and you just have to forget what you've known before and try something new and, and try something different. And I think if you're anything like me, you might surprise yourself and find that you have uh, the ability to eat things that perhaps you hadn't um, considered before. So that's the end of episode 34. Uh, if you haven't already, I have very recently uploaded my e-guide, the guide to your best food life after head and neck cancer treatment on Amazon. And uh, I will leave the link below to that. And my easy follow, easy swallow book is also on Amazon in the same place. So I'd encourage you to go and have a look at those if you haven't. Uh, The guide is a culmination of all the free resources that I've been giving people over the last 12, 18 months, I guess it's been. So I'm hoping that that might be of some use to you from a a quick resource and reading and giving you some ideas about what might be possible for you and really just trying to keep you motivated to keep going, keep pushing, keep be bold, keep pushing those boundaries. You never know what's going to work for you from one day, from one week, from one month to the next. And if you're anything like me, you might just surprise yourself with something that you haven't been able to do before but you can do now. So with that, I thank you for joining me here and hanging out with me here this afternoon. Uh, Continue to eat well, and I look forward to sharing more discussion points and more insights into how to live your best food life after head and neck cancer treatment. Until then, eat well, take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.